So the question is this, how do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that the top agents in our industry hoard themselves, grow and prosper in today's real estate market? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Muchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Hi, Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui, and I am so excited to share with you our newest head podcast sponsor, You know, and this is a company called Rent Ready. Rent Ready is a landlord-tenant software that has everything you need to manage your rentals from your phone or your computer. No need to be tech-savvy, download multiple programs, or hire a specialist. Rent Ready is easy to use for everyone, and if you do have a question, their customer support team is available to make sure managing your properties doesn't have to be harder than it already is. RentReady has a feature for every step of the landlord process. You can list your vacancy for free to Realtor.com and doorsteps, find quality tenants with a full tenant screening process, send and e-sign leases right from the app, and track maintenance requests. Yes, there really is one app for all of that. Best of all, not only is RentReady easy to use with awesome customer service, but it's affordable as well. Get a subscription of RentReady for as little as $1 a year when you sign up for their annual plan using code ROCKSTAR. That, now that's crazy, a dollar a year, why wouldn't you go sign up just to see, even if you've got one tenant or wanna try it with one of them? So that's right, you get a whole year of Rent Ready for just $1 when you sign up at rentready.com, it's spelled R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com, using code ROCKSTAR. Okay, Rockstar Nation, have you ever lost out on a deal that you wrote to another agent that wrote a better deal in a multiple offer situation? Or have you ever, you know, not known what advice to give or perhaps given the wrong advice to a seller in a multiple offer situation? Well, if so, you need to listen to this. I have, lucky for us, Mr. Tim Burrell on the phone, and Tim is the prince of negotiating. This guy's been in real estate business full-time over 35 years. He writes for Inman, and his latest article is about you know how to do a multiple, uh, multiple offer deal. Um, he's at a rally, North Carolina, and he jumps around because he's got kids in Colorado, originally from California where he was an attorney. And I mean, he's got a ton to offer. So get your pencils and papers ready. And without further ado, welcome to Pat Hyben Interviews Real Estate rock stars, Mr. Tim. Hey there. Thanks for having me. Why don't you give our audience a little bit of background on you, Tim? Uh, maybe whatever I missed in the introduction. Um, I've been uh, selling real estate, like you said, forever. Uh, it'll be 36 years this September. I started in Southern California, outside of Los Angeles, area called the South Bay, predominantly Palos Verdes. Moved to Raleigh um, 19 years ago. For a while, I had real estate teams in Palos Verdes as well as Raleigh, so I was the America's first bi-coastal realtor. That was all kinds of fun, trying to run two teams in two different coasts with two different markets. My biggest thing is to try and change the culture of negotiating uh, amongst realtors. I've written a book called Create a Great Deal, The Art of Real Estate Negotiating. been very well received. I've had a large number of trainers that have endorsed it and use it. Uh, Brian Buffini uses it in his training program. The other thing I do is to teach continuing education classes to try and improve um, the quality of negotiation amongst realtors in North Carolina. They can get it for continuing education credit. 
And the biggest thing to know about me is I am very family-oriented. Married my elementary school sweetheart back in 1969. So we've been married for, wow, it's sneaking up on 46 years. And, uh, and my family really is the center point of my life. But uh, I love real estate. I love helping out. And my primary talent is negotiating. And I've found that the vast majority of realtors think they are phenomenal negotiators. And the vast majority of realtors are not phenomenal negotiators. <laughs> yeah, I guess, you, you know, that kind of comes last and or not at all in the classes that they teach. They're too busy uh, teaching about, you know, how not to get uh, your license revoked than they are about how to negotiate because that's almost a negative term for some uh, realtor associations or or companies they don't they they shy away from that so so we're going to teach that today we're going to go hard and fast on on how to win because uh, because that's what it seems like the agents need to know so so Tim has this cool thing five ways to win with your buyers and five ways to win when you're working with sellers so let's start with buyers Tim what's the first piece of advice that you recommend uh, all agents do when in a multiple offer situation? Now, the first thing you can do is most people will sit there and try to win on the price. One of the things you can do to be much more successful is win on the terms and the quality of your buyer. If you've represented a large number of sellers with multiple offers, you, you don't select only on the price. So uh, let me tell you a story that's a good illustration. I represented a bank we had six offers on a particular property. I'm uploading the offers into a crater. It's on a Saturday, which is weird that the asset manager happened to be working. I got the fourth one in there, and he accepted it before I even got the fifth and the sixth one in there. Well, the person who was the buyer was clever enough to put all of the purchase price as earnest money, except $1. And the biggest thing as far as this asset manager was concerned was being certain that the sale would close. Well, this hmm. showed him for sure it's going to close because after 10 days of the inspection period, that money was gone. Nobody's going to not close to save a dollar. So I called the guy up and said, hey, 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 I have to present all offers. What are you doing? He says, fine, present them. I've got the one I want. So what this story illustrates is you find out what is the most important thing to your sellers and give them that term. So if you can win on terms, as an example, you know that the kids are in school. And that the parents are very family oriented and they want the kids to finish out a particular semester. Give them a closing date that lets them finish out the semester. You might not have the highest price, but you'll be the terms that they want. And so, okay, they miss a little bit of money, but they get what they want for family values. So knowledge is power. Always has been. Millions of people have done that yeah. for that quote. So find out what it is the seller wants and give it to them. Rockstar Nation, this is Aaron Amuchastegui. Hey, I hate to interrupt the current podcast that you're listening to, but I am so excited to share this with you. I just finished interviewing the original host of this podcast, my good friend, Pat Hyben. You know, I got to talk to Pat about how he started his real estate career and a whole bunch of tips and tactics that he used to be successful. So if you haven't listened to it yet, go check out State of the Market number 49. On there, I get to talk to Pat about all those different things. You know, and in there too, he talked a lot about his six steps for seven figures book and training program that he built over the last couple years. And I realized I haven't done a good enough job of reminding all of you lately about all of the resources that we've built for you out there. So if you want to check out Pat's course, 
We've got like a three-minute summary video when you go to it. It includes so many easy-to-follow tips that you can follow on it like a day-to-day -day basis. You can email reminders, all sorts of different things that come with that course. You find that, you go to rebusuniversity.com, R-E-B-U-S, rebusuniversity.com. Look at courses. You can find the Six Steps for Seven Figures book. And really, there's a whole bunch of other courses in there, too. Our normal prices used to be $1,500 or $2,000 a course. These are real deal professional courses. But now, uh, during quarantine, a lot of them are priced down to like $90, bucks, 95 bucks. So we've slashed the prices because we know right now is the time for everybody to be focusing on growth and education, especially while they're feeling like they don't have as much to do. And if you go in there and you figure, like, like there's a lot of different courses you want, Maybe you don't want to buy the a la carte. You can go to futureofrealestatetraining.com and you can get access to all of our different courses for 97 bucks a month. I think there's a discount on there if you go a year or there's even like a lifetime option that you can pay to get access to every course we ever put on Rebus University for as long as we have it. So go check out those options, Rebus University or futureofrealestatetraining.com. All right, back to your podcast. Sorry for the interruption. That's brilliant. I love that story. I mean, talk about putting your money where your mouth is, right? If you're going to pay cash, uh, what's the difference, right? I yep. mean, put up, put up earnest money, deposit the same amount. Then all you got to do is bring a dollar to settlement. Woo. And a bank as a seller. I mean, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant on that guy. Okay. Number one term. So what's number two? Another one that you can win on is not on price, but this is also a way to do an end run on the competition. Try to win on emotion. Try to be the one where those sellers really want to sell to your person. Again, let me illustrate it by my own experience. An experience where I lost. I was out in Palos Verdes, had some people who were trying to buy a home in a neighborhood that I lived in. So I knew the neighborhood very well, and I knew the other agents fairly well. And we'd gotten to the property a little later than other folks did, and I was there standing in the kitchen calling this guy up saying, hey, we're writing an offer right now. I want to present it. And he said, well, you might be a little late because we verbally discussed another offer with somebody else. And I told him what the, mm. what the amount we were going to offer was. And he says, wow, that's substantially more. And I said, yeah, you know, when you got multiple offers, I'm going way over your asking price. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But so I wrote it up and presented it. And he called me back and said uh, she wouldn't consider it. And I said, what? Uh, he said, well, the other people had sent a picture of the entire family that was you know, part of their offer. The woman who was selling the property, her parents had owned the property. They'd passed away. She's now in a very emotional situation selling a home she grew up in. She loved growing up in that home. In the picture that they sent was a seven-year-old girl who was the spitting image of this woman. So this woman mm -hmm. sees herself having the opportunity to grow up in that house again. In a very emotional context, she decides it's more important to me to feel good about this in what's now a difficult time than to make thousands of dollars more money. Well, she was you know, getting a million dollars worth of a sales price and that property was clear, so she was getting a nice piece of change. But to me, $50,000 is a lot of money, but she wouldn't hear of it. She verbally said she was going to accept the other one. She's going to stick with that. I explained to the other agent, hey, she hasn't signed anything. She can consider mine. He said, I presented it. She rejected it. So this is rather extreme. <laughs> you won't always get that sort of emotional situation, but if you can write some kind of a letter of how you love the house, if you can show them that you are the right person to properly maintain, you know, so you find out that they custom built this house for themselves. If you can show that you're the right kind of buyer who's going to take care of the, the property that they love, if you can show that you can yeah. fit into the neighborhood, if you can do something to differentiate yourself from the, the hordes, you know, from the rest of the folks, and then, you know, win on the, uh, 
uh, win on the the emotion, the, the emotion as opposed to the terms or the price. Yeah, people underestimate emotion. I mean, they really do. I mean, why? Listen, if you're in a multiple offer, why wouldn't you take a picture? Of every family in every, I mean, it takes what five seconds now on an on a on a cell phone. So, why wouldn't you do that? And uh, and it does work. That's that's great, great advice, great story. Okay, what's three? Three is let's get down to basics. Most of the time, you're going to win on money, and most of the time, you need to be the highest price. And I, I'm doing this webinar on multiple offers on August 25th. And one of the terms that I always have a poll, I've done this webinar a couple of test times, I put the poll out there and say, okay, what's the most important piece of information that you need? And give people a whole bunch of choices. The vast majority of them don't guess what the right information is. The critical thing is how many other offers are there? Because then you can have an idea of just how high you're going to have to go. Let's say there's only a couple of them. You might even get away with a price that's not even up to the asking price. If you got five to ten of them, you're going to be going, you know, you try to visualize what somebody else is going to do. Well, you know that somebody in there is going to, you know, go way over the asking price. And if you want to win, you need to beat that number. If you've got someplace around 15 to 20 of them, you're going to need to really pull out all the stops and, you know, find something that is dramatically higher. The thing you do is to, just like on eBay, you snipe. You call up the listing agent shortly before the time limit, find out how many offers there are, have your buyers ready so that they know what they're going to have to do given the, uh, the number of offers. Put the thing in there and submit at the last moment. The other thing about the number you submit is try to guess where everybody else is going to come in. In Raleigh, North Carolina, we sell a lot of properties in the 200000 range. If you figure that everybody else is going to pick a round number like 200000 you don't pick a round number. Pick something higher than that and make an yeah. unusual number, like 201750. Right. Now, just barely beat the competition, but what you have to do... Because the other schmuck is going to go 201. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And so what you have to do is sit there and say, okay, what's the seller going to be looking at? Use your imagination. If they're looking at two of them, they're not looking at that much. If they're looking at 10 of them, wow, somebody's going to really love that house and pull out the stops. And if you're looking at oodles of them, um, you may need to use an escalation clause, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah, that's okay. Good stuff. So, you know, money, money, put your money where your mouth is, man. I know it. I just bought a beach house. We're actually where I'm talking to you from this interview. And, uh, it was on the market at 795. You know, I put an offer of like of 740 in and, uh, dude called up and was like, uh, multiple offers. Boom. 796 250 because Perfect. i knew that uh, you know 790 someone else could do 796 and it it hurt a little bit but luckily i was in the business and I, and i felt like that's what i had to do you know and right. i did it really fast right. and we got it and uh, i'm standing to you from the house so so you know you have to be willing to do that. It's nothing worse than being on the other end and, and trying to explain to some agent that they lost and they can't understand why. And the bottom line is because they just wrote a crappy offer. You know <laughs> what I mean? Someone else was willing to go hard and go fast and, and be strong. That's it. That's it. Okay. So we got terms, emotions, money. What's for? Uh, number four is basically a little bit of legal ease. Uh, use an escalation clause. Because when you get into things, for example, in Southern California, we would have just dozens of offers. And at that stage, it's very hard for you to you know, pick the number that's going to be the winner. But use an escalation clause that basically says, let's go to an example, say that the property is listed for 300000 and you know that there's 10 offers. 
you know that's going to go way over that. So write up something that says my, my basic offer is 316.940, but you know, using the non-round number concept, non-round numbers sound like they're more believable, like you've agonized, like you've thought over it. If you've done 315, yeah. you pulled it out of the yes. air. So anyway, that's, you know, Good, good on you for doing your thing there with the beach house. Good move. At any rate, um, the escalation clause says, okay, here's my basic price, but I'm willing to pay $5,000 over any other legitimate offer up to a maximum of three fifty. Make sure you put the maximum in there. I've always wondered what would happen if I was sitting there on the seller's sofa and looking at three people that had unlimited escalation clauses. I mean, we could sell it for yeah. what, an infinite amount? You know they would be BS. Yeah, they know they would be BS if there's not a, a max. Right. So at any rate, before you do this, check with your manager at your firm and check the regulations. There are some places that don't allow this. And so, you know, be sure that if it's appropriate and it's allowed, but if it's appropriate and allowed, if you find out that there's 15 to 20 offers, you may need the escalation clause. The other thing you need to do is to put in the word legitimate or something of that nature that qualifies the other offers. During the time when you're negotiating, the listing agent can't tell you what the other people's offers are, particularly in North yeah, Carolina. Written offer, written, bona fide, exactly. legal, you know, words like that. Right. So after it's all over, in my opinion, after they've signed your offer and they've told you this is the number you have to hit and you've modified your contract and you've sent it to them, at that stage, I don't think it's inappropriate for you to be able to see what that other bona fide offer was. If you find out that that person was supposed to get a USDA loan and the property is located in an area that does not allow a USDA loan, that's not a bona fide mm. offer. If it's some right. some guy's Uncle Harry who doesn't have two dimes to rub together and they, they don't have a you know pre-approval letter or proof of funds, yeah. that's not a bona fide offer. So make sure you protect your uh, buyer by making right. sure that you are only outbidding legitimate offers. Hey, Real Estate Rockstars listeners. I'm sorry to interrupt again, but I want to do a quick commercial break. But this commercial break is different. This is stuff that I think you need, and this is me talking to you about some of the stuff that we had. So, you know, recently we had a lot of people reach out to us and say, hey, why don't you do a real estate mastermind? Why don't you do something where a lot of the listeners can get together and do some Zoom calls and ask each other questions and really just try to brainstorm and work together? I mean, there's a million masterminds out there. I don't know if this is something that we really want to do or not, or if we do, if we're going to limit it to maybe 20 or 30 people. We're just trying to figure out if any of you guys are interested. So if you have any interest at all, joining a mastermind with real estate agents around the country that are part of the Real Estate Rockstars Network. Go to hybendigital.com forward slash mastermind and just join the wait list. It's just a really a form. It's just an interest list for us to see, is this something we want to be doing? So that's that's number one. Number two, you go to hybendigital.com forward slash foreclosures. We have a two-day thing that we just finished recording. Now it's also inside Rebus University. And so you go to Rebus University and look at it. If you're already a member of Rebus, I mean, a lot of you guys are in the you know the monthly fee where you get access to everything. So we have a new course in there, 17 hours of content on how to buy foreclosures, on how to find deals, on how to you know do title, you know, go to auction, also turn that into clients for your real estate agents, how you can turn somebody that's in default behind on their mortgages into a client. So go you know, check out that course, especially for, you know, you can, you can buy the course now, but again, most of you guys already subscribed to all that. I just wanted you to know there's another 17 hours of content, great, great content that I just recorded on there uh, that all of you guys have access to now at Rebus University. And then finally, we have software that we talk about on and off. It's called PadHawk. 
and in Padhawk, you can use that to go find leads. What you know, everyone is really, really busy right now, and we're so, so busy. People are selling, and they're saying there isn't enough product on the market, right? So they're, they're they can't find houses. Well, Padhawk will help you find houses before they're listed. It helps you find owners that should be listing their properties or people that might want to get there. I recorded a quick video. It's like six or seven minutes long for you guys to look at, real estate agent specific on what how you can use the software in order to do it. So go to hybendigital.com forward slash leads. Again, there's a video in there. I talk about how you can use the software to do it. Check it out. If it's something that you like, you may want to sign up for it. 99 bucks a month, but nationwide, any city out there, and it is a great way to find houses. So right now, people are saying there's lots of buyers, but we can't find enough houses. Well, maybe you can use this software. You'll find something that hasn't listed yet and make them an offer on their house. All right, back to your regularly scheduled program. Thank you for letting me interrupt you with that break. So I got a couple things, guys, that uh, you know we believe on Pat Hyman Interviews Real Estate Rockstars to give complete meat and potatoes to you guys, good stuff that you can use. And what you need to hear Tim saying is, number one, the house is only 300000 or the house is $300,000, let us say. Um, and he gave 5000 over best offer, not a dollar over best offer, not a 100 over best offer, not 500 over best offer, 5000 thousand over best offer so that that right there is like look boom i'm serious you know you can't dork around with this and then he put a max that that was fifty thousand over so so what we're dealing with here is about 16 17 percent of all of the offer is the max and about one and a half two percent almost is the amount in between so these are big numbers and, and it's important to know big numbers because i think what happens is you know if you're just doing a couple hundred bucks or even a couple thousand bucks over best offer um and the other offer has emotion or some of these other terms, as we've just finished discussing, you're going to lose out because money isn't everything. But if you have money in there this large, like like Tim has recommended, you won't lose the house or your chances are much less likely to lose a house. Okay, good stuff, Tim. I love it. Okay, what's the last one? The last one has to do with how to look good even when you lose. Because there are going to be moments when you don't win. Uh, and when you lose, at least I've found that the vast majority of the time, my clients don't say it was their lack of uh, effort in bidding. Frequently, they find that it's something they want to blame their realtor. One of the things you have to have is the tools to still make yourself look good even when you lose. What you want to do is go out and um, sign up a backup offer. And a backup offer is a wonderful tool that says, okay, You've got a first place offer in place and they've signed that. You want to get the seller to sign your backup offer that commits them that in the event that that first person cancels, you instantaneously have a binding contract that says you get to buy this property on certain specified terms. The wonderful thing about a backup offer is it's a one-way deal. You get to control their property. In, in other words, if something happens to that first offer and they cancel, you control it. You're getting to be able to buy it, and they don't get a chance to go out and open up that bidding war and try to run it up even higher. The second thing is they don't control you. So you as the buyer, you get to go out and go shopping. If during the time that the other buyer is doing their inspections and doing their other stuff, you find something better, you put that property under contract or in escrow, depending upon what your terminology is, and then you call up and you cancel your backup offer. 
So it's a way to look good that you still have a lot of quality and control and ability even when you don't win. Yeah, because chances are they're going to have some agents call them and scream at them and, you know, call them names or, or, or complain or question their integrity by saying, oh, you sold it, you know, one of your agents. I mean, I just had uh, the recently, like two days ago, had an, uh, an agent call me and email me saying that um, uh, another agent uh, from my office got a multiple bid uh, situation. And it wasn't even true. The agent who won was not from my office, was not related at all. But somehow they concocted this idea that uh, we knew this person and they got a better deal and it was ridiculous. And so, you know, when people get mad, they pull out cards from the deck that that are inaccurate. And, um, and, and that's terrible because I'll never go back to her and be like, oh, guess what? The deal fell through. If someone's like, okay, Pat, well, I'm sorry we didn't win it. Uh, I really tried. Thanks for the opportunity. I'm much more apt. And, and if they put a backup offer in it. I must probably have to take that. You know, here's the backup, quick. And, and, and what you just illustrated is one of the key points in the negotiating um, courses that I teach. Yeah, it's called The Power of Nice. Um, a gentleman named Shapiro had a magnificent book by that name. Matter of fact, the concept of the power of nice in negotiating is so big, there's two bestsellers with that same name. What you do as a professional <laughs> agent is you basically behave professionally, behave properly, and be nice. And what you just said is the perfect illustration. If that person it comes back again on this same property, their chances of success are very, very low. If instead you have somebody that when you call them up and say, I really thank you for your work, they either A, put in a backup offer, or B, thank you for the opportunity, then, you know, next time around, you know, we work with the same people over and over and over again. And it's one of the things that we'll be talking about in, in the seller's part, but the power of nice is huge. And so get something for all those years of professional behavior and proper treatment of mm. the other agents yes. because when you show up, you're going to get a lot better representation of that buyer or that seller just because of who you are and all those years of being professional, being calm, and yeah. not, not insulting That works. People. You betcha. Yes, that, that works. That works. I love this. Terms, emotion, money, escalation, and nice. Those are the five guys. Listen to this three times and you'll win every multiple bid situation you're in. Okay, let's go on the seller side now. Tim, what do you got for the first one for the seller side? And this is, on the seller side, we're going to go into, on the, on the webinar on August 25th, we're going to do the buyer side, we're going to do the seller side, and we're going to do what the agents can do. And so if people are interested in finding that, go to multipleoffersuccess.com and we'll be able to give you a lot more detail on these things. So I'm, Pat and I are just picking Yeah, fun. that's great. And I'll put, I'll put a, a link to the webinar and a link to your website and all the information on hybendigital.com backslash Tim Burrell. And that's uh, two R's and two L's, right, Tim? That's it. Yeah, B-U-R-R-E-L-L. Um, on sellers, okay. the first thing to learn is when you represent sellers comes from experience. Don't pick the highest price. And for the vast majority of people, that's counterintuitive. They think the whole purpose of doing multiple offers is to get the highest price. Well, that's, that's good. You want to get a really good price, but the first thing you look at is the quality of the buyer. You want to uh, sort them out by the people that you're absolutely guaranteed to close. If you go to the horse races and you bet on a particular horse that stumbles out of the gate and never crosses the finish line, how much does your bet pay? The same thing applies in real estate. If you bet on the buyer that doesn't close, you completely change the dynamics because 
when you're in multiple offers, all those buyers are begging you. They are just looking for any way they can have the opportunity to get this property. If you pick the wrong one, then the dynamics completely reverse themselves because you're calling all these people who made those offers. Half of them have bought something else already. The other half of them are figuring, hmm, well, if this failed, there must be something wrong with that house. And gee, I don't have to outbid all these other people. They're begging me. I'm going low on the price. So the biggest thing you do when you start selecting those offers is to weed them out based upon the quality of the buyers. The folks that need 100% financing, that have an iffy pre-approval letter, that can't show you that they've got the down payment, that maybe they've got a commitment to this property, but maybe they don't. Those people get in the lesser pile. The folks that come in and say, I've got the cash right here. Here's my proof of funds. Oh, yeah, I've not, not only enough cash to buy this thing, but i got plenty left over to make right. sure that anything else that yeah. happens, I'm going to come through. So, um, right. Don't just, don't just show the amount of the house right. or that you're qualified for the amount. I mean, let's say the house is 300. Like in your example, if you show a pre-qualification letter for 700, it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't hurt you as a buyer. And as a seller, you're like, yeah, move that one to the top. That's right? right. That's right. And as a part of this process, if you've got some special feature, some special reason why this buyer will close um, best illustration I can give you of that is let's say Granny lives a block down the street and you've got a family with three kids and they want the kids to be able to walk over to Granny's house and have her bake them cookies. You think they're going to bail out if they find a little problem in the attic? You know, they're not going to give you a bunch of grief over repairs. So those are the people that really run yeah. to the top. And okay, maybe they're a thousand or two less. Big deal. They're going to close. And the, I, the biggest, I like that. Yeah, the biggest thing to learn as a listing agent is don't go through that miserable experience of looking horrible to your sellers when you picked the wrong person. And this, right. and this is, uh, you know, this is the key ingredient. Don't be f so fascinated by the price. Be fascinated by the quality of the buyer. Then look at the price. And, yeah. And, 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 and don't, and if I give advice to my agents to get them to fill out a financial information form and, and hand it in with the offer, shoot it over with the offer. I mean, you don't have to put your social security number on there or your bank account numbers, but you could put the, the name of the bank and how much you have in there and, and that sort of thing. All that stuff helps. And as a seller, if I were to see that, I would say the same thing. You know, the little repairs, he's got the cash to do and he's, he's not afraid to, to, to show his assets and, and I, and I trust him versus the other guy who's, you know, not showing me something, you know, exactly. I like that. Yeah. If you've got strong stuff, strut it, put it out there. <laughs> All right. What's the second one? Um, this one is, um, an item that really, if you're really good representing buyers, you'll come in and offer them the moon with a small picket fence around it, realizing that you're going to be able to use the appraisal to renegotiate the price later. You want to be able to, as a listing agent, cut off that move. So if you've done enough of these things and you've had that experience, get a waiver of the appraisal contingency. Because then, you know, if you've done a multiple office situation right, the people did pay above market value. The property's not going to appraise. Because, you know, with this bidding war, the people get carried away not only buying the property, but the emotion of the auction. They want to win. And they'll pull out all the stops and they'll go too high. Well, you want to preserve that price. So as a part of your negotiating with selecting the offers that are, are the ones that meet the, uh, the quality of the buyer test, go back to them and say, we want a waiver of the appraisal. Now, that's only step one. Step two, you know, anybody can waive the appraisal. But step two is you've got to show that you have the power to perform that waiver. In other words, show me the money. 
you want to see some kind of financial information that proves that that um, buyer has the cash to be able to bring to closing so that in the event the appraisal comes in too low, they've got the funds right there. So get the waiver of the appraisal, show them with proof of funds that you've got the money, and then you will avoid that miserable experience of having the people be able to outsmart you and renegotiate the price back down after everybody else has left and gone off and bought something else. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that's key because uh, I like how you said cut that move off. Uh, it's like a game of ping pong, right? They're gonna that, that that's classic. Oh, the agents tell them just put any price because it's got to appraise anyways. Well, if you're a seller, hey, you know, cut that off and then uh, counteract that move, or you may get a deal from a, a strong agent uh, that tells their a buyer, hey, waive the appraisal. It'll look that much better, you know. Yep. I love it. I love it. Okay, what's the third one? Uh, here is something that is dealing with setting expectations, and this is how to get your sellers to close gracefully and to go through the process. Part of being a really good agent is to predict the future for your sellers Excuse me, and let them know that you have the ability to explain not only what's going to happen now, but all the way out through the game. You know, if you have a game plan that says this is what's happening now and then next and next and next, you explain the entire thing and get their expectations set. In multiple offers, the winning buyer is going to get a huge case of buyer's remorse. After they sober up and they say, oh, I won the bidding war, they're going to then go, and I paid what? Well, they want to have some victory between the point of signing the contract and the closing. And normally the payback and this is what you have to warn your sellers about is there's going to be some payback. You stretch these people beyond a reasonable limit and they're going to pay you back in some manner. So mm-hmm. explain to your seller that there is going to be a payback and at some point there's going to be something that happens normally on the repair request. So warn mm. them that these people that you've been talking about that they're so nice and they'll love your house and granny lives down the street, they're going to come up with an inspection report and a repair request that will choke a horse that will just have <laughs> absolutely everything that you can think of that might need to be tuned up <laughs> yeah. in that house. And let them know yeah. that's going to happen. Now, they got plenty of money because they just sold the thing for an outrageous price so they can do all those repairs. So when, they, when that happens, they are expecting it to happen. It's just another part of the game. This is normal. That huge inspection request. They stay calm. Life is good. If you don't set the expectation... Then when the people come up with this thing and all you've been saying is nice things about how that agent is so wonderful and these people will be perfect for your house, et cetera, and suddenly they insult you with this horrendous request for repairs, your sellers go ballistic. Once they get overly emotional, once a bell rings, you can't unring the bell. And so if they go really emotional, the rest of the process is going to be a bumpy ride and it's going to be a lot more difficult. So if you've gone through multiple offers, a number of situations, set the expectation, tell the sellers what's going to happen. When it happens, they're calm. They think, oh, good. This is exactly what Tim predicted. He knows what he's doing. We're going to go through with his game plan. Life is good. No problem. We got the money. Okay, we will polish up all those little items that they'd ask to be polished. Yeah, it's great. And tell them, listen, imagine everything that could be wrong with your house. Now double that. That's yeah. what it's going to feel like. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, Good point. like, like if you think they're going to ask $5,000 in repairs, then think 
then tell your sellers they'll probably ask ten thousand whatever whatever you know super prepare them that's great that's awesome i love how you walk through the psychology with them and you know what this does guys is it, it, it it's making tim seem that much more of a professional when he sits down and he talks through to his sellers the psychological impact implications of winning a bid this is what has proven to happen over and over again it's likely to happen with you based on my experience it just makes him seem that much more professional and um and and and, and an expert so okay what's the fourth thing the first one is that concept we briefly discussed a little bit earlier the power of nice and it's one of the things that i really differentiate the offers that i'm reviewing on behalf of the sellers based upon the quality of the agents there's some people that I work with over and over and over again, and they're the kind of people that are going to close. Uh, I've got a reputation in Raleigh that, Frankie, my deals are going to close one way or another. You know, if I got to take them right a check at the closing to make it close, it's going to close. And it's going to happen right on time, and it's going to happen smoothly. So in addition to looking at the quality of the buyer and the amount of the price, if they're anywhere close, we review the quality of the agent or the lack thereof. And like Pat had mentioned earlier, if you got somebody who called up when they lost and accused you of all kinds of impropriety and this, that, and the other, well, fine. You remember that. Next time around, mm. it's perfectly absolutely. Yeah, it's perfectly appropriate information. You know, if you've got material facts, in my opinion, the quality of the agent is a material fact. It's something that your seller needs to know. So if you've closed a half dozen sales with this same agent, they've always closed gracefully then mention that because it can make a huge difference in your seller's experience. Uh, and and there's, there's logic behind it. If you're a well-established, good-quality, highly professional agent, your buyers are going to be working with better-quality lenders. You are going to have better-quality inspectors. You're going to get inspectors yes. that don't rile people up. You're going to have an entire team in place that is going to make the entire transaction go more smoothly. If instead, and one of my tests that I do when I have multiple offers is I give all of the buyers the same information. I give them a litany of what they need to do and say, this is what you have to do. Those that have a hard time even fulfilling the initial offer steps, you know that they're going to have a hard time closing the transaction. Point that out. So the power of nice is huge. And this is something where you truly professional, decent, good quality agents finally get rewarded for all those good deeds that they've done through all those years. And under those circumstances, I'm, I make a major differentiation between the quality of the agents, provided there's anything that is close. I mean, if one buyer is just a slam dunk and way above it, then fine. You know, the quality of the agent is not going to win the day. But if there's any kind of decent competition, I'm going to highly recommend that we go with the good quality agent who's going to make sure that we get a good experience and we close on time. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, so uh, what's the fifth one? The fifth one is to avoid any even appearance of impropriety. And you'd mentioned this earlier when the people come up and try to accuse you of all sorts of things. You have to have an absolutely level playing field and something where everybody gets the same chance. I send instructions out to all of the potential buyers that as opposed to me demanding and saying, this is what the seller wants. I say, if you want to make your offer look good to the seller, here's the ingredients that he's making the decision on. So here's some inside information that says, if you offer this, 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 and this, you'll look better. And I want you to submit your offers by such and such a time. I need this particular form. I need certain other things with it. And, you know, lay it all out. And it's all in writing. So everybody gets an equal chance and it's all written down. And then I save it. Then after we make a decision, I have the seller write me an email or a letter or a note or something in writing that I can put in the file. Uh, I had one instance recently where um, 
we had a situation where we didn't take an offer um, that ostensibly looked like it was higher, but it was a financed offer in an area that is really run down, very difficult, quadruplexes, and I'd sold most of the properties in that area. I do a ton of short sales, and I do a bunch of bank-owned properties, and this person's offer said they were going to pay a certain amount, but they needed you know, high percentage of financing. That property was never going to appraise for anywhere close to what their offer was, and so it was basically just that game of offer many things, and it matched down the price uh, you know, later on. Under those circumstances, we went through you know, all of the data, all the information showed that this one wasn't going to be the winner, but I had the seller send an email explaining why we did not take the offer with the highest number on it because it really wasn't going to be an offer that would close with that number. You put that in your file. So not only do you have to have the you know actual fairness, but the appearance of total fairness. I run a team with a number of buyer's agents. On occasion, if somebody calls me and wants to look at a property, I'll write up my own listing and put the thing in there. If there's multiple offers, I won't even get close to that. As soon as I know there's going to be more than one offer, the buyer goes to one of my buyer's agents, they write it up, and on top of that, i got to make sure that my buyer's agents don't get access to any of my online systems so they can't see any of the information that anybody else who's making an offer can see. So first of all, you've got to be fair. And secondly, you've got to make it so that no matter who takes a long look at it, it shows that there's total appearance, appearance of absolute fairness. And this is what you were talking about earlier, Pat. You need to avoid those... You know, it's tough when you lose, and it's tough when you did a whole bunch of work and you had people with their hearts set on it and they didn't win, and so it's hard for a buyer's agent not to get emotional. But you have, as a listing agent, have to be absolutely certain that they've gotten an equal chance to everybody else, and you've got it all documented. They did get that equal chance. Yeah, yeah, and people, they, they when, when they lose, they the p- potentiality for emotion is huge. I, I've had physical threats uh, in multiple offer situations from agents at lost that swore yeah. Yeah. there was impropriety. And, and so if you can do everything you can to try to uh, counteract this be- ahead of time, that would be great. And if you could, uh, and, uh, we're going to, like I said, we're going to put all of Tim's information and the webinar, but, but if you could address some of that in more detail on your webinar, that would be great. Maybe even sharing your, your letter that you, that you use to give to the agents. That would be awesome. Yeah. Basically on the webinar, we'll have an hour to go through all of these things in a lot more detail and cover a lot more of the topics. One of the things that I like to do yes. also is to tell the illustrative stories uh, realtors learn by having, you know, if you're sitting there like in a physics class with abstract principles, most of us, we don't relate to that. But instead, I've got yeah. certain situations that have happened. If you tell the story, the people will remember the story and they'll remember the principles. So, yeah, we, we go through a Absolutely. full hour of it. It's got a couple of videos in it. It goes through a lot more detail. And frankly, I've found that a lot of people, you know, throughout America now are facing multiple offers. Southern California, you face them all the time. But there's a lot of folks through the rest of America. They haven't Dude, seen it's that. all over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they haven't Texas, seen that many of them. Maryland, D.C. I mean, it's there's a lot of areas that are that are multiple offers. I talk to agents from all over the country. So um, we got, you know, first and foremost, um, um, qualifications of the buyer. Number two, waive the appraisal. Number two, set three, set the expectations. Four, be nice. And five, avoid any appearances of impropriety this has been a great show tim i really think that this is one of the most important ones we've done in recent times and uh everyone can learn so much from it thank you so much for coming on pat hyben interviews real estate rock stars i hope to 
be able to cross paths with you and sit down with some coffee for with you and uh, and talk more in detail in the, in the future. That'd be great. That'd be great. I really enjoyed it. Rockstar Nation, thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Listen, I need a favor. If you find this free content helpful, if you find our downloadable items from each guest helpful, please, I need you to pull out your pointing finger, yes, the one finger that points at people, and hit subscribe. Yes, subscribe. The more subscribers we get, the better we look in the ratings and the easier it is to get guests like Robert Kiyosaki, Barbara Corcoran, all the players that are on the million dollar listing in the different cities. All that stuff makes it easier the more subscribers we get. So please subscribe. And listen, there's a lot of places you can leave comments. There's a lot of places you can like. We're on Facebook. We have an Instagram page. Instagram page is I am Pat Hyben. The Facebook is Real Estate Rockstars Radio. Feel free to leave us comments there. The most popular form of commenting seems to happen on YouTube. Yes, for whatever reason, it's a very open environment. So just go to YouTube and go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio and leave us comments there. Some of them we will read on the show. And we love your feedback. So thanks, guys, and I hope you are having a great day. Oh, and also, listen, if you're going to subscribe and you haven't already left us a, a review on iTunes, please do that too. Have a great day, and thanks so much, Rockstar Nation. I really appreciate you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.